Bandercrush.com of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. I am your host, Chris Eaton. All right, you might be wondering, hey, where's Jessica? Don't worry. She's uh, she's here. She's uh, on this episode. This episode uh, was recorded way back in July of 2016, if you're listening to this in the future, at G-Fest. Uh, Jessica and I sat down uh, on Sunday with uh, Kaiju thriller author Matthew Dinian about his uh, many works, including his flagship work, Atomic Rex. So that's uh, what you'll hear on this episode as we close it out. I uh, meant to get this out a little bit sooner. Just, you know, we... <laughs> a lot of news came out in the, in, in the interim. So I felt, you know, what, what better way to end the year than, you know, a wonderful, uh, a, a wonderful chat with a, uh, with a really darn good human being. So, um... <clears throat> Listen, if, stick around for that if you're listening to this episode. I don't, why, why am I even telling you that? Uh, but as I mentioned, there was some news. We got sidetracked. That's why you didn't hear this before. So uh, in that spirit, before we jump into that, there's more news to talk about. Uh, it's you know it's a funny thing. Uh, about three years ago when Jessica and I sat down to put this show together, we're like, yeah, yeah you know. We'll do a lot more topic-based shows because, you know, there's not a ton of news coming out. This was post-Pacific Rim, pre-Legendary, uh, uh, the Gareth Edwards film. Um, so we were like, eh, you know, there'll probably be a little bit of something. Uh, no. It's, it, we, both of us are always astonished by, like, we're going to do this. And then something comes up and like, all right, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about that. Once again, even as she's not here... There's news that has broken that I have to talk about before we dip into anything else. And that is the massive news that came out last week. Um, as I sit here and record this uh, this opening, it is exactly one week before Christmas. So last week, this news broke that Ultraman... Yeah, yeah, Ultraman. Coming back. He, actually, yeah, he's coming back to the U.S. On the big screen, of all things. He's They're... We're getting an Ultraman double feature released in theaters. And, uh, hold on, you sitting down? It's going to be dubbed. Now, for some of you purists out there who like your subs, that's one thing. But you know what? We want to, ex- you know, kind of... Um, I-, I-, I say a dubbing is a good thing, especially from a company uh, who, you know, has delivered some very quality dubs in the past. Uh, thanks to William Wickner Productions, who is actually putting this thing together. They are releasing... Ultraman X the movie and Ultraman uh, Ginga S the movie as a double feature because they're both roughly about an hour long. Uh, <clears throat> starting January 9th, 2017, a mere three weeks from now. Can you believe that? that? I mean, the world we live in. The beauty of distribution these days. So the majority of the theater chains so far, they have... An, uh, they have um, 
announced that they're going to be screening this as the Alamo Draft House. And now, if you've never been to an Alamo Draft House, what are you doing? Especially if you're a movie lover. That place is amazing. Every time I go out to Texas to visit some friends, they're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, we're going to the Draft House. I don't care what we're seeing, but we're going. As a film connoisseur, you have to go to the Draft House. So, if you happen to be living in an area that does have one, well, more than likely, they're going to be playing this double feature. Um, You can go to sci-fi-japan.com. They have all the info. They're the ones that actually broke the story. They have a listing of all the theaters thus far, as of this recording, that have announced they will be screening the film. Now, it's not just on January 9th. It's actually, there's many dates. They're kind of sporadic. They're uh, all the way throughout the month of January. Um, So, we're looking from, you know, one end of the coast to the other. Uh, Right now, for, you know, us Southern California folk, uh, nothing has been announced, sadly. I'm hoping, against hope, that there will be something pretty soon. Um, but again, you know, hey, you know, we usually get everything. This might be the one thing that actually passes us by, you know, you know, just, you know, you know, Karma has got the kind of come around every once in a while. We get all the cool stuff out here. But if you live in Portland, which I know, I'm, I'm guessing Kyle and the Kaiju Cast crew will be checking this out. Um, Chicago, uh, Illinois, and Woodridge, and Cleveland, and Anchorage, Alaska. Anchorage, Alaska is getting it. So, um, more theaters will be announced. Uh, Sci-Fi Japan will have those listed as they as they you know come up. Uh, tickets are already on sale through the Draft House locations. If you want to go check those out, if you're in one of those locations, uh, the ones I'm looking at right now are uh, the New Mission in San Francisco. There's the one in Littleton, Colorado, Kalamazoo, uh, Mississippi, uh, Main Street in Kansas City, Central Park in Yonkers. Uh, Austin, Dallas, uh, Katy, Texas, Ladero, Texas. Uh, so a lot, a lot of the Texans, shockingly, because that's where Alamo Draft House is based out of. Uh, San Antonio, Ashburn, uh, Virginia, and uh, Winchester, Virginia. So those are the ones announced so far. So you can go check them out at, again, sci-fi-japan.com. And please, if you are in one of these areas, go support this. Look, we were lucky this year that we got Funimation to release Shin Godzilla. And the fact that that movie did better than they expected. It didn't exactly set the world on fire. Not like how Rogue One right now is making just boatloads of money. And you know, that's a good thing for Gareth Edwards because that means the man's going to get more work. But as for a small, teeny tiny little, uh, you know, limited showing, Shin Godzilla knocked the, you know, it blew the roof off, you know, uh, per screen average. Let's see if we can do this again for Ultraman. Uh, considering, you know, it, they are they're the same but different, and uh, Ultraman is aimed at kids. This might be something a little more kid-friendly than what Shin Godzilla was. So if you want to, uh, if you have kids, and you want to take them to some awesome Japanese tokusatsu action, this would be the thing to take them to. Especially to, you know, get that bug bitten by him. Uh... Considering that both X and uh, the Ginga series are available on Crunchyroll, they are subtitled. But if your kids enjoy this, and you find yourself enjoying it, you can at least go back and watch the series on Crunchyroll, who also have uh, a, a wide breadth of other series, including uh, Leo, uh, Max, uh, and uh, God, uh, Mebius, and a bunch of other ones. There's a ton of Ultramans on there right now. 
they're knocking it out of the park. And they're currently airing Orb as well, which is oodles and oodles of fun. So that's big. Let's go out there. Let's uh, let, let's show in force that uh, there is a market for this stuff. Let's show Super Raya that, hey, you know, there are American fans for this stuff out here too. And, we you know, we, we want a little bit more. We know, you know, we don't mind importing, but it would be a lot easier if you made it available for us, you know, dubbed or not. But as long as you made it available, we will come out. We will support it. We will buy your products. So get out there. Get out there in January. Go watch uh, Ultraman X and Ultraman Ginga S the, the film. Um, if if there is well, if there is going to be a uh, LA based or at least a Southern California based screening, uh, we will probably be doing a uh, Kaiju Cast screening of it. At least a meetup. So. Uh, when those, if that does become available, we'll announce something through both our Twitter feed, uh, which is uh, the uh, the Kaiju Kingdom on Twitter, and on our uh, Facebook, which is the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast on uh, Facebook.com. So go ch- go find uh, any information there as soon as this breaks. So I'm keeping an eye out on uh, on on Sci-Fi Japan. You should keep an eye out. And uh, t- again, tickets are already available through the Alamo Draft House location. So go. Go pre-order. Go buy some. Go give some for some freaking Christmas gifts. They'll make good stocking stuffers. So it's a it could be a big family night out. So go do that. Um, one last bit of business before we get into our interview. Uh, just kind of recorded a uh, nice little closing uh, on our last episode. So you're gonna hear that. We're gonna you know have our it's a nice little holiday end of the year send off. Uh, one thing I feel like a bastard for not mentioning because we were kind of. We were doing it at like 2 a.m. We were kind of going off the top of our heads, and sometimes you forget things. And I uh, realized it, and I felt this is the moment to kind of rectify that. Uh, in our thanks, I forgot completely. Slipped my mind, and it's nothing against them. Just I was <laughs> exhausted from working so much, too. Uh, I forgot to thank Paul Gatos and the Tokusatsu Network. They are amazing people over there. Go check them out. I have been uh, pushing you guys, anybody that's listening to this, go ch- read their stuff. They are doing the Lord's work when it comes to covering anything on the uh, the Japanese special effects front. So any Sentai, any Metal Hero, any Kamen Rider, Godzilla, stuff like that, they are knocking it out the park. So, And especially Paula, who has helped us tremendously behind the scenes here on a lot of stuff. She has she has personally saved my butt on a few things. So I want to give my esteemed thanks to her and the rest of her crew. Please, please go send some love to uh, to them over at the tokusatsunetwork.com. So, all right. So we are going to jump into our interview with Matthew Dinian back at G-Fest 2016. Uh, and then you'll hear a nice little uh, wrap-up at the end of the show. And that will be it for 2016 for the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We have a lot of cool stuff uh, lined up for you for 2017. So please stick around. Please, if you like what you hear, again, share with a friend, share with a neighbor, share with a loved one. I Get it out there. Just tell the world. That's, that's, how, we, uh, that's, that's how we grow. So uh, I now leave you with past Chris and Jessica as they sit down to interview Matthew Dinian in our hotel room overlooking the beautiful city of Rosemont, Illinois at G-Fest 2016. 
Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts... Jessica! And I am Chris Eaton. And Jessica, we are once again live at G-Fest. We have another special guest. They uh, came up to us last night. It's like, I love it, can I come on? I'm like, of course. We love having everybody on. Sir, please introduce yourself. Um, my name is Matthew Danian. I'm a Kaiju author. Thank you guys so much for squeezing me in. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Um, we are here pleasure. Sunday morning, <laughs> 10 a.m. He was look, prompt. Yes, yes, very prompt. Like we were like, were oh. we prompt? No. <laughs> no we were like, oh, we were not prompt. Right. Right. gonna be here in ten minutes. He's like room, all dressed. He stayed room, up. Yeah. The room is asunder. I like Jessica's still like rubbing like like sleep out of her eyes. Like, oh yeah, hurry up. So, uh, just running on East Coast time, so I'm an hour ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. you're an we're hour ahead. Coast, we're West Coast. You're three hours behind. What is this? Two hours. Six in the morning. Slag off. So we are sitting here, the uh, sky opened up for about a good hour and just yeah. like dumped, you know, a bucket of water all over us. So watching this There's actually there. buckets on a roof across the street. Yes. Oh, yeah. At the yes. Rosemont Theater. Oh yeah. Our window watch, faces. I was the watching Rosemont the light Theater. show. Like I woke up and was like, ooh, because I'm a weather nut, so it was cool to see. Yeah. Storms. I yeah. had my camera out, I was filming the light show that was going on like, God, oh, this is great. So uh, so now we are sit we are sitting here and we're going to be discussing uh, was it? It's kaiju fiction, kaiju thrillers. Kaiju thrillers, yes. They yes. uh, coined uh, a term, uh, I believe, it was coined for one for Jeremy Robinson was doing. Right? Jeremy Robinson did, yes, yes. So, so, and now you are. I don't want to say following his footsteps, but you are at least blazing the trail with them. Yes, yeah. Um, if uh, could I, I'll go back and kind of give you how I got started. Start, on go, the go from the beginning. Like, okay. let's go. We got plenty um, of time. Good. So, um, you know, very quickly, and I and I like to start. Uh, you know, I'll go very quickly over what I did early, um, mm -hmm. just so people know kind of like the steps and progressions it takes to become a kaiju author, so to mm -hmm. speak. Um, so like a lot of people, I started out doing uh, fan fictions for websites, basically, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, the next step was I started reading a series called Tales of the Shadow Men, which mm -hmm. publishes out of France. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. Mm -hmm. They do like a lot of crossovers with uh, predominantly public domain characters like Sherlock Holmes, Captain Nemo. Mm -hmm. um, Stuff like that. So I was writing for them, and they will occasionally use um, characters that aren't necessarily public domain, but people haven't kind of had an idea about. Mm. So um, I thought about, I'm going to do a story with uh, the amazing Colossal Man and Daimajin. Oh. Uh, I had like a neat tie-in for mm. that. So he did it. Um, Black Coat didn't have an opening for it, and it was at that point that I had uh, thought, oh, maybe G-Fan would be interested in it. So um, sent that story to G-Fan. JD really liked it. I, I did a few more short stories for him. And I was really happy to do that because, I don't know if you guys are aware or not, but like 10 years ago maybe, um, Toho really put a kibosh on G-Fan yeah. utilizing um, Godzilla and all of her characters. Yeah. So the Kaiju Tales section really kind of fell off, yeah. um, which was disappointing to me. I was always a big fan of like Skip Peel mm -hmm. and Yoribi, um, who are here this week, that uh, did a great job with all of those characters. I mean, that was a bulk, I mean, for like a good like six, seven years in a row, that was like a bulk of that magazine. Yes. I mean, yeah, like they did like twenty pages were dedicated to that. Stuff. Yeah, and I loved it when when mm -hmm. they did it. Um, so anyway, I um, <clears throat> excuse me, picked up Jeremy Robinson's project Nemesis. Uh, you guys have spoken yes. to Jeremy before. Yes, yes. last October. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So um, at the back of the book, he had uh, like an open call for art submissions, mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, I can't draw to save my life, but I can do a story. So um, I wrote to him and said, Hey, what do you feel about um, us utilizing? 
Nemesis to take on G Fantas, mm. sort of in like a guest role for G Fan. Yeah. Hopefully, nice promotion for Nemesis and mm. a nice little right boost for our fans. Yeah, and yes, hopefully, introduce yes. them to a new um, audience. So, Jeremy loved the idea. Um, I wrote the story and sent it to him, and he actually um, got back to me, which I'm very thankful to him for doing because he really didn't have to, basically, for somebody who said, "Hey, can I do a fan fiction?" <laughs> and, um, yeah. Like, uh, no, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but he was really cool about it, and um, he wrote back and he said, "Hey, you're pretty good at this. You should see about doing more." So, um, you know, getting his endorsement was, you know, obviously very nice. So. Um, that went well, and I thought, oh, well, this is cool. Maybe I'll contact a few other kaiju authors that I've read and see if uh, I can do a guest spot for their monster in um, GFAN, which mm -hmm. is how I got in touch with Timothy Price, who you guys spoke to yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, and I owe Timothy a bit of an apology in that um, he, I'll get this in a moment, but he and I are working on a charity, and I said to him when you guys do your podcast, hey, plug the charity, and he didn't have all the information, so I kind of left him out there to dry. Um, so my apologies to Tim. He was cool about it, yep. but I love Tim. want to make sure you know I don't offend him. Uh, so anyway, we, we did uh, stories with um, Timothy Price's Big in Japan. Um, mm -hmm. Todd Tennant and Mike Bogue lent us their King Komodo character for mm -hmm. their comic strip. And uh, K.H. Kohler lent us her Raiju character. Um, and uh, K.H. worked for Severed Press, who does pretty much all kaiju books. Mm -hmm. And she had said to me, similar to Jeremy, she said, um, Hey, you're, you're pretty good at this. My company has got an open call. You should give it a shot. And... Um, you know, for everybody out there listening, I honestly thought, I can't do this. I can't do a novel. I'm like, there's no way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just beyond my capabilities. But at the same time, I thought, um, you know, I'll give it a shot. So um, that's when I wrote um, Chimera, Scourge of the Gods. was my mm -hmm. first novel. And um, a little bit of a backstory is how I come up with ideas. I work as a teacher for students with autism. This is mm -hmm. my main job. And um, one thing that goes well across um, any time you're doing instruction or introducing a new concept is to connect it to something people are already familiar with. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, what can I use that people are familiar with? And um, for Chimera, I thought, well, let's go with uh, mythology. I've always been a big mythology fan. Yes. And mythology is very rich with giant monsters and, and kaiju. Um, especially Greeks. Though. Especially Greeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and Greek mythology. Yes, so uh, in, uh, in Chimera, it's the Greek gods, the Mesopotamian gods, who actually had a very rich... Mm -hmm. uh, kaiju mythology too, and I did a little bit more research, and then the um, the Norse gods oh, who yeah. have some kaiju too, and I got to work in Thor. Although yeah. I had to make sure he didn't look like Chris Hemsworth when I yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got a little traditional up. big beard, you know, yeah, yeah, much more like Viking ish, yeah, um, with the Midgard serpent and all that stuff. Yes, yeah. so incorporated all of those things in, and then um, sort of the basic premise of Chimera was I had to go with something else that I knew. So because uh, the gods like Thor and Zeus can control electricity, I had it where they can use EMPs and knock out electronical systems. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I utilize uh, when I work is um, applied behavior analysis. Mm -hmm. um, it's really, we all use it on an everyday basis. I won't bore you guys with the details, but if you do no, something... Bore, bore, okay. bore. If you do something and you get rewarded for it, you're much more likely to do it again in the future. Mm -hmm. as opposed it's also how you train. Uh, it's called positive reinforcement. Yes, exactly. Well, you, you do that for children, yes. for dogs? Yes, for dogs specifically got the idea for Chimera um, when I took my kids to the circus and saw a lion tamer and I thought he's doing the same stuff I am yeah. and that's where I got the idea of we can take this and utilize it in the system but yes for dogs yeah. Yeah. some people yeah. like you try to explain it it was like oh that's BS it's like not really like a lot of things are done through like reward repetition yeah so. absolutely I mean um, you know even things that we do on a daily basis you know if yeah. you uh, if you start working out and, and you put on some extra muscle you're going to be like mm -hmm. oh I'm seeing benefits for this I'm exactly. going to, yeah. to do it yeah so, like um, it's pretty much nobody does anything 
for this, just the sake of doing, like, you're getting some sort of reward out of yes. it. That's why you do it. Yes. Um, yeah. Even if it doesn't matter, like, some people only look at it as like, oh, am I, I'm not getting monitored. Some people it's like, no, you, you're getting some, there's a chemical going off in your head, and that's what's yes. good, and that's what's for, that's what's they like, I like this feeling, so I'm going to keep going. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's this very basic concept. Mm-hmm. And um, Severed Press love that, because a lot of people were doing, like, mechs and stuff, and they thought yeah. this is a more of a real world application mm-hmm. of uh, the skill. So anyway, um, and, and uh, kind of a very funny uh, side story. When I finished the book, I had uh, thought, okay, well, I should dedicate it to somebody. So I'm going to dedicate it to my kids. Okay, Aww, um, so it was yes. cool. And so my wife read the the first like dedication. She didn't see her name there. She was not happy with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, but anyway, it, it worked out nice in that um, you know, she got on my case about it. And then the next day, I got the email that the book was picked up. So I was able to say, well, you didn't like it, but. You know, it. Um, but it, it worked out very well. And that um, the the first story, is, as a lot of people do, this was very much based on myself and my family. So I did. I really like when she read the book. I do nothing but praise how great my wife is and everything. So she was happy. Um, so anyway, um, I was very pleased with that. And almost immediately, Severed Press got back and said, "Hey, we like this. Do you want to do something else?" And I was like, "Oh." Um, I hadn't thought about that, but (laughs) if opportunity knocks, I'm going to take it. Mm -hmm. So I went with, um, again, trying to think of something I could do that would um, incorporate uh, stuff people already knew about. So I thought, okay, let's do um, cryptids. There's always like some kind of cryptid TV show on, right? Like Hunting Bigfoot or, you know, Monsters or Mysteries in America or something. Yeah, I talked to our buddy Mark. Uh, Yes. He's he's a Bigfoot expert. Yeah, cryptozoology and 40 in science. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, get in yeah. touch with him, yes. Yeah. Oh, exactly. just... oh, he, oh can... he and I talk about that stuff, like, all the time. Yeah, like, he's got stories. Like, I tell him, I was like, you need to do a Bigfoot podcast, like, once a month, because there's always, like, it's like, I got something new, man, and he's, like, been up to, to, to Bluff Creek and all that stuff. Like, he's but he's seen... more, like, Bigfoot and Yeti. I'm more, like, Loch Ness and, yes. like, and, like, the Mokelamembe. I can't ah. pronounce that word like, correctly. I'm like, sorry. He's like, yeah, he Mokella likes Harry stuff. There we go. He so, can uh, say it. Yes. I can't. And you like reptilians. Yes. Ah, well, yes. Then Operation Rock is for you. Yeah. <laughs> because um, when we did Operation Rock, is I, I looked up about, and I'm very big, by the way. All my books have at least 10 monster fights in them. I'm very big about pushing the action. That's good. Um, good. Yeah. Kind of like take a like, pulp approach. Yes. You know, from like those like old Shadow, Tarzan, Duck Savage type oh, novels. Oh, the burrows, like burrows and stuff. And yes. Howard, like, I love those. Like, my dad turned me on to those as a kid. And love I, them. I went through like a, I'm, I'm like in a weird like period right now where I'm just like, I need, I'm, I've been buying them, but I got to buy the actual first releases like with the Frazetta covers that are. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> for me, the kind of the more beaten up they are, the more I want them. Because they had that smell to them. Yes, They've been well worn. I know what you mean. They're real. They're digest size. It's like this is only like 108 p, but it's all like man, like man taming the savage land. Yes, so, that's the <laughs> best stuff. Like, that is the, the best. Plus the darn novels. You can't oh yeah, those things. Oh, those are yeah. I'm yeah. in the middle of those. I'm reading. Uh, trying to find the second one. That's the hardest one to find right now. Yeah, your best one might be digitally, unfortunately. But yeah. if you look at the other ones, because um, I got all the other ones. I got like uh, Tarzan at the Earth's core and. Uh, the Eternal Savage and all that stuff. Oh, I'm just right. like, yeah. Love I those love books, man. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that's the mold I try to go with as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then uh, Operation Rock, the um, idea is that terrorists have captured the world's cryptids. So we get Bigfoot, we get the Mokela <laughs> Mbembe, we get Nessie, Mothman, the Loch Ness Monster. I think uh, I end up having like 15 cryptids appear in Giant Oh, form. okay. So a lot I of research. Concept. Yeah, and, and I reached out to quite a few cryptozoologists who were very helpful, but if you knew somebody else, because uh, I need more help for the sequel, that would be great. Um, yeah, we'll see you with Mark. Uh, thank you. Yeah. 
And uh, the, the premise is that um, the, the, the U.S. government had found sort of the remains of giant birds. Mm-hmm. And uh, they so engineered... Legendary rock. Legendary rock. Yes. And rock is a no. double entendre in this case because it also stands for retaliation on cryptids. <laughs> Hence Operation Rock. Um, but they yeah. grow these four birds and they give them cybernetic enhancements. Mm-hmm. So things like they have a... Um, ability to spew uh, liquid nitrogen from their mouth to freeze things. Nice. And they have um, diamond-coated wing or feathers that they can shoot off, sort of like Archangel from yes. the X-Men series. Yes. Yep. And uh, the premise is of, with Rock that um, a pilot sinks with a, with a rock, similar to the Pacific Rim, but because the rock is a living thing, it's not necessarily just like sinking with a little, robot. Little Avatarian. Little, yes. Yeah. Avatar would be a good way to explain it. Yeah. And um, the original thought process of the people who designed the rocks was that because these people were excellent pilots, mm-hmm. that they would be able to sink with the rocks well. But it turns out that it's their ability to build interpersonal relationships that um, it helps out with the rocks. And that goes back to uh, being a teacher, too. Um, one thing that we focus on is brain-based learning. And it's yes. uh, been proven that... Uh, the brain is like any other muscle. If you use certain areas of it a lot, it'll become stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this case, the people have to develop their interpersonal relationships. and Because they're mainly loners, being that they're military people and they're top of their class. Mm-hmm. Um, to build these relationships is difficult for them in order to save the world. Uh, but you get a ton of action with the rocks fighting monsters. And I've always been a huge Rodan fan. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's just... Yes. Right? And I feel like there's just not enough... There's not enough flying. Like, right. Beast, yeah. 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 When I was a little girl, I thought it was like a pterodactyl. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's this connection that you make to it. Yeah. And and there's just there's not enough there's there's a lot of like Godzilla homage stories out there, but not enough Rodan ones. I felt mm-hmm. like so I really wanted to, to push that genre. Yeah. Um, and again, that went very well, and, and right away, Super Press said, "Hey, man, we want something else." So I'm, I'm, I've already done uh, two novels in six months, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> this is a good pace." Um, so I said, what else do you have? And I thought, okay, well, I've kind of covered things that, um, you know, took a different avenues and connected to part knowledge. So I'm just going to go all crazy with this next one. And uh, that's when I came up with Atomic Rex, which has been, um, it, they've all sold well, but Atomic Rex is, is selling like crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the premise for Atomic Rex is it's a post-apocalyptic future where... Um, a very 1950s-ish that there was an atomic test on island that they didn't realize had dinosaurs and other prehistoric beasts and then they just came out and took over the world. So North America has been carved up into like about eight different territories by um, what I call the true kaiju, which are like real giant monsters, but because they're radioactive, they walk around and their radiation turns other things into giant monsters too. So things, and you get nods to like there's a, a giant praying mantis like mm-hmm. from Kamakaris or the deadly mantis type thing that just are floating around. But um, the premise there is that uh, humanity's kind of been st- stuck in this one small slum in Kansas, and they only have one mech left because mm-hmm. their other mechs have failed miserably, like if we had lost Pacific Rim, for instance. Mm-hmm. And um, the lead pilot, the, the character there, knows he can't, the humanity's going to die if they stay where they're at. And he knows that he can't really beat any of these true kaiju. So he cut, devises this kind of plan where I'm going to try to draw these monsters in each other's territories because the monsters are very territorial. And they'll attack each other. So hopefully, then <laughs> I'm getting I'm, like, do you, did you ever watch the Shield? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember the last season when um, Vic and Shane make up and they decide because Shane got into deep, deep, deep with the uh, I think it was the Colombian gang. I think so. And then he's gonna they're like he's like, well, how are we gonna fix this? Like, 
we're gonna get the Colombians and the Mexicans to fight each yeah. other. Like this is ah! what I'm saying. It's like and we're just gonna stand back and get yep. the rewards. That's ah! all we're gonna do. I'm just like that's all I'm seeing with this. Right now. I love it. I love it. So that's what it was. And then it was. Um, I thought, well, I want to put every uh, a similar type of every type of monster that I wanted to see Godzilla fight. I haven't seen him fight uh-huh. in this book. So like for the cover. Um, this is uh, I know you're no, no, that's um, we've got like I said I want the atomic rex with the giant turtle and the giant turtle flies and spews acid so no. very Gamera like yeah, yeah. so when people see someone see Godzilla versus Gamera and then we put a Hulk like monster in there and I put a blob like monster in there and um, a creature that's sort of like the beast from 20,000 fathoms mm-hmm. and um, that book is just chapter after chapter is nothing but monsters fighting monsters like being kind of drawn into the different um, mm-hmm. parts so um, that book was going very well, and um, Sarah Press got right back to me and said, "Hey, you got to do another one." So um, you know, I'm going on nine months now, three novels, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is." A, this is you a went good from place. you went from a few. What, how, what was your average fan fiction before this? It, I would do one every couple months. And what would know. be like? What was like the count on that? Like, no, we'll oh, the word count, count would be anywhere from like one thousand for a flax flax uh-huh. fiction to about seven thousand, and now they're all of a not, sudden they're, they're pretty they're, they're pretty light. There. Pretty light, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, putting out words that are uh, or books rather that are like between seventy five and eighty thousand was, yeah. was a lot. And uh, so you went you went from like I'm doing like a few like few curls with like a dumb bar to doing dead <laughs> lifts. Yeah. Like on a daily basis. Yes, it yeah. was it was quite a change. I don't sleep much, which is good. So I was here so <laughs> early too. So, <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, so then uh, I pitched them the idea for Polar Yeti. And um, one thing about all of my characters is each one of them I have a strong female lead because I am not a big fan of the damsel in distress. So. Um, I don't think your wife would be no, either. She be either. No, <laughs> she would be like rewrite. Yes, <laughs> rewrite, re-end characters. So um, yeah, well, you know, I work as a teacher, so I'm like the only guy in my field, and, and then I have my wife and my two daughters. And so right. I'm women all the time. So I'm a, I'm a strong believer in having strong female characters, right. and um, in this case, it's very much a Kong homage, um, but this takes place in um, Antarctica in sort of like a hidden valley, and we have prehistoric um, beasts instead of dinosaurs and in this case um, mm-hmm. my lead character is a, is a researcher so as opposed to kind of being sacrificed to this yeti who they know was, it was taking people from this local tribe um, she gives herself up um, partially to save her husband who's being attacked and partially because she wants to gain more knowledge about what this um, yeti can do I did a lot of primate research for this one too to see well mm-hmm. they never really explained why Kong would take somebody um, you know they, they kind of leave a few hints but <clears throat> um, She's like a pretty lady. Right. So yeah, who would yes. Right? Let's yeah. just take her. Let's just take her like a caveman and run <laughs> off with her. Um, but I did some research about why gorillas or orangutans yes. might take somebody. And um, it, it was actually much more intriguing to work it out this way. I don't spoil a novel for okay. it. But um, it came together well. And um, as, as I was writing that, I was um, contacted totally out of the blue by um, a rep from Universal Studios. <laughs> Who had said, hey, um, we'd like to make Atomic Rex into a movie, um, if that's okay with you. And I was like, does, does anybody say no? <laughs> if you call them up and ask them. Yeah. So um, that was uh, about six months ago. And uh, I just heard back from the guy yesterday, which was good timing, fortuitous. Cool. So we're going to um, meet in August to kind of go over some details. Nice. Yeah. And um, I really don't know how movies work. He said it might be flipped to another company or, you know, whatever. But so like maybe like a smaller production arm will probably take it. And yes. So if Universal 
pass on. They could take like Warner Brothers or something. Yes, like that. exactly. So um, you know, we'll see where where that goes. And um, how did that, he discover your story? Did he say? He sent his mom read it and sent it to him. Actually, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Moms, you got to yeah, keep good yeah. relationships yes. with her. So um, he said, yeah, his mom read the story and um, really liked it. And I was like, oh, well. I love the fact that this this grown man's mother mm. was reading Atomic Rex. I do, too. <laughs> so that was great. And uh, I give a big shout out to his mom for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so that worked out well. And um, additionally, I know I'm kind of joining on here, but uh, mm. we've kept the G-Fantas versus Guest Monsters series running. So we've had uh, all of my characters are taking on G-Fantas and G-Fan. Mm-hmm. And I've reached out to other people like um, Chris Martinez, who does the Doragon comic, mm-hmm. um, Keith Foster, who does Kadoja comic, mm-hmm. um, Frank Parr has been here too, he does Arrakis. And uh, I said to those guys, like, hey, um, what do you think if we were to put together all of these short stories we've done with G-Fantas fighting all of our monsters into a free in, into an ebook, um, and we were just going to do it for free. But then we had the good idea: well, why don't we make it where all the proceeds will go to G-Fans helping G-Fans, which is a charity they run here at G-Fest, and people who um, are, are G-Fans. And I'm, not, I'm honestly not sure how they contact the person who organizes it, mm-hmm. but um, the money would do to benefit them. In fact, I met a lady just yesterday whose husband um, tragically passed away. And uh, he, she was unfortunately left with a lot of debt. And um, David Nunez, who organizes this charity, he said, "Just so you know, this is this is a lady that your book is going to go help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, help to um, take care of the medical bills she was left and stuff like that." So I thought that was really cool to kind of put a face to the charity as well. And then um, to see, you know, these crazy monsters from our imaginations actually helping out people in the real world. Um, seemed really cool. So um, that's a charity I wanted him to talk about yesterday because oh, yeah. Big in Japan is there, but I, I, he didn't have all the information, so I kind of put him on the spot, unfortunately. Ah, that's, that's fine. Uh, that will, I mean, yes, they would. I mean, you'll probably, they'll probably be hearing this in order, hopefully. I might, depending on where I switch things around, but when you hear that episode, you're like, like hey, mention this podcast. And like, okay, yeah. But now that you're here, like, I'll put, I'll always put it in the show notes, so. Okay, thank you. So, yeah. The, yeah the, don't, don't feel flustered about right. it. It's good. So, but, and all that, but you're also like, get, like, charity! Mention the charity! Like, yeah. it's like, good It's thoughts. not a bad thing to no. shout out. It's That's not what a I bad thought, thing. Uh, you know, um, because the charity, I feel, is a good thing. I didn't know what to shout yeah, out. Of yeah, of course. Of course. And I know, and honestly, I, I did talk to him, he's like, oh man, he's don't worry about it. He's, he <laughs> felt bad he didn't know more about it. Um, but like myself, he's, you know, he says, "Hey, what it was, can you do to it help was like eleven thirty last night. Yeah. <laughs> so tipping back a few uh, cold ones, so. more than a few. I was a couple yeah. <laughs> far boxed in at the time, I think. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then and then we're like, and then everyone's like, okay, we're we're done with this talk. Now let's watch Wolf versus Godzilla, which was awesome, by the way. Yeah, so. So is that the first time you've seen that stuff? I, I hadn't seen the clip that long before. I, I think mm-hmm. recently there was like a YouTube clip posted of like the five minutes worth of it, but it was very very cool to watch. Um, oh yeah, sixty two yeah. Godzilla is my favorite design." Mm-hmm. I think we talked a little bit about that last night. Yeah. So to see that there was tremendous. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, that's a lot of people. Like we're, we're hopefully trying to do that again tonight. Cool, so. man. But uh, so anyway, uh, I have to ask. So uh, clearly out here, it's like it's doing what uh, you said. Your books are doing well. Um, what's what's doing better? Is it? I mean, I, I'm taking it that you're both selling in an ebook format and a physical format, right? Yeah, it's doing both. The ebooks by far outsell online. The um, paper copies mm-hmm. and then the um, here uh, obviously the books sell better because people want them they want them to sign yeah. um, but 
I would say about 80% of my sales come from ebooks, which I know is the same. Like Jeremy Robinson, I've spoken to, says uh -huh. the same. And uh, I almost forgot since then I've done the Kaiju and Crime Player. Uh -huh. I forgot to plug that one too, which we just talked about. So um, I also self published one book just to try to see how that was. Uh -huh. And it, it recently just came out, and it's called The Kaiju and the Crime Fighter. It's basically if Godzilla attacked Gotham. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, how Batman would react. And um, the premise of the story is, and I'm hoping to launch a whole universe from this. Um, there's a Batman like character that we call Raptor, um, who's really more of a mix of Batman and Kamen Rider. Okay. Uh, so, so, you know, love Kamen Rider too. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gargantosaurus is a Godzilla type character. And there's also a. Um, we mentioned that there had been like an Avengers type battle we, that we teased um, that involved this character we were calling Talos as a nod to um, one of my all-time favorite movies in Jason and the Argonauts, mm. right? Uh, yeah. Giant statue. Giant cool. statue. Yeah. Although in this, in this instance, we uh, haven't really said what Talos is yet. He doesn't even know, but he's an Ultraman-like character. So um, the premise of the story is we know that our Batman character, Raptor, can't defeat the Kaiju. So he contacts Talos... And he's uh, basically needs to hold out for, I think it's two hours. So he's like, okay, I need to hold out for two hours and limit the damage this monster's going to do until this Ultraman, Superman type character can arrive uh, to mm -hmm. deal with the situation. Um, but there's a lot more to it there. Uh, so at least they're planning to launch a whole universe that's going to culminate in something akin to Destroy All Monsters meets the Avengers um, against the common threat type of thing. Nice. So That is nice. So invoking like classic or trippy like Godzilla there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, when he was just like, "Yeah, screw it," he's gonna meet the Fantastic Four. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, just... like, because at towards because in the middle of those books, it's like, yeah, okay, we're yeah, he met the champions, but were, we're keeping it quite separate. And towards the end, they're just like, "F it, we're going." Okay. Like he's meeting the Avengers, he's meeting Fantastic Four, and they're like, "We're throwing Devil Dinosaur in there somehow too." Yeah, we never got the Hulk though. We needed the Hulk in that series. That's the thing. Like... Dude. He fought the thing, which was close. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, the Hulk was always that one. It's like, yeah, why didn't he do that? And even the Spider-Man thing was like shoehorned in. Like yes. it was like almost a joke. The cameo. It's like, well, didn't make it on this one. Yeah, maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is fun. It's good to see that you're kind of keeping that kind of thing alive. Yeah, right? and with that, that's why I self-published it as opposed to going through separate press. Um, because it's it's a little more fun and loose than than my other books. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I want to self-publish this one, so I'm not switching up uh, what I do for the company. Um, Have you found that? Uh, uh, well, obviously your 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 company's doing a lot of press, but have you found that like uh, you're self promoting? Has that have you upped yes, your game the, with that? Yes, the the self promoting tremendously. So um, the first I get the sales reports like every three months. So uh, the first three months they were they were okay, just like out there on a map, and that's when I really started like trying to um, to do Facebook and Twitter and Instagram stuff like that, and then everything really kind of exploded mm -hmm. um, once you went there. And I've uh, tried to do other podcasts like this one. Just a, it's fun, and yeah. uh, you know, b, it helps out. So um, that that's been a big help. And then doing um, this is like the main convention I do. I mean, as mm -hmm. you guys know, it's expensive to travel oh, around yeah. and do different conventions. Yes, very much so. so uh, <laughs> but with but you, I mean, maybe you find yourself having to maybe start upping that just for the prosperity sake of maybe getting you know getting your word out there more and selling, moving a few more units. Yes, so I've done a bit more, a little more uh, hustle to it. Now. Yes, so um, done a few kind of like horror cons and stuff up mm -hmm. and down the East Coast, um, and it you know really depends on what the schedule looks like for 
I have two young kids, so soccer and basketball and everything else keeps me yeah. busy. Yeah, okay. yes. But, uh, you know, when uh, when the time opens up, I'll, I'll squeeze in a weekend. Um, and it's nice because my wife and I get away for a weekend, mm-hmm. too. So. And so, yeah, you have to come out to the West Coast, man. we got to show every other month out there. So. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. Um, I'm supposed to go out there uh, for about a week in, um, I want to say... January, uh, because Universal's flying me out there to check out their production studios. Oh, okay. So, um, where you guys, are you out that way? Around LA, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. so... I'm actually near, I, I live near the studios. Okay. Yeah, she's, she is. That's the thing with a lot of people don't understand, it's like, Hollywood, like, there's no studio in Hollywood. They're all out in Burbank and... Yeah, okay. I live two cities over from Burbank. Okay. And so I'm actually in the, in the studios Well, maybe, lot. if they... Can you bring me out there? I'll try to contact you ahead of time. Oh, cool. yeah, time yeah. for a tour oh, yeah. of the studio and everything, huh? Oh, yes, yes. I've been on the Warner Brothers tour, the Universal tour. Okay. But things have changed because, you know, they'll change sets. Right. They'll change things. So I actually haven't been back in a little bit. But, yeah. I live next to Disneyland. That's my claim to fame. So, oh, cool, man. Yeah. Happiest place on earth, right? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, oh, this must be great. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't even live here your whole life. It kind of loses its luster yeah. a little bit. But it's still like something you got to go see, so... But no, I mean, I think you gotta you gotta come out to like WonderCon. I think that'd be a thing to WonderCon. WonderCon be that because that's Comic Con minor. That's okay. Um, Owned by the same people, operated, yeah, it's by, operated the by the people, same people, but like but a it's, smaller, it's a much, more intimate scale. It's, okay. an e- it's it's an easier show to get into, and they hold it out in Anaheim usually every year now. Too, oh, so. okay. It's at the convention center, which is like the nicest convention center in the world. So. That's the place that if you're going to shill, you shill there. Okay. So put that on my list. When do you usually do that? That's uh, Easter weekend. Usually it's Easter okay. Weekend. This Good. year it's Funny not. Time. This year it's a weekend before Easter. Okay. So this coming year, it's, they're going to move. They moved it away from that. But so it's end of March. Okay. So yeah, come on, yeah, come on out there. Like there's there's a ton of stuff, and then we can hook you up with Mark, and he can get you all the Bigfoot and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Yeah, I will put that on my to do list then. Yeah. Thank you. Like yeah, I would like. I know we're talking shop on the on the show, but it's like, yeah, I, I always tell people it's like, come out, it's like, oh, maybe I want to do Comic Con. Like, no, no, Comic Con's a pain in the ass to get into. Do Wonder Con and then work your way into it, right? Because it's Comic Con's a beast upon itself. Nobody yeah, it do. looks like I've never been there, but it looks like it's just from what you watch on like D four or whatever. It's like walking through Hong Kong, pretty much. I would assume it's just <laughs> wall of oh humanity just on top of each other. Yeah. So. I asked this of all of our guests. So, mm-hmm. when did the bug bite you? Oh, when I was very, very young. I can mm. remember um, maybe being three, four years old, but um, <clears throat> like I said, the 62 suit is my favorite. I can um, remember like uh, my dad doing something, sitting my brother and I down and be like, watch this movie, and, and it's King Kong versus Godzilla. And we're just watching, like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> yeah. This is my Avengers, or this yes. is my Superman uh, versus Batman. Yeah. That was it. And then, like, I think the next day I went out and I had to get the Shogun Warrior Godzilla figure as a mm-hmm. kid, you know, that, like, the tongue came out and stuff. So, um, that's, that's when it got me. And um, it was really fun. It wasn't until high school that I tracked down G-Fan, mm-hmm. um, which was neat because, um, you know, being a, a Kaiju fan, especially pre-internet, yeah. uh, you, you maybe knew one other person. In exactly. your area, who was like as die-hard a fan as you were, mm-hmm. um, but then with the, the internet came along and, and G fan even before that, you're like, I'm not the only one. There's like you're this like whole, there's yeah. people. Yeah, there's I'm not by there. myself. Yeah, yeah. So um, that that was really great. But that's uh, that's when I got as a kid, I, I got that bug, and just run with it from then. Which is uh, 
Why I really wanted to do um, the kaiju and the, and the crime fighters more kiddish, and then um, my kids too. I do have a, a kids kaiju book out mm-hmm. um, called "The Frankenstein Monster Goes to Oz," which is like the the giant Frankenstein from Frankenstein Conquers the World, mm-hmm. basically um, going to Oz and trying to find a home. <laughs> so um, and it, it, two things, and I, I do believe it's a, a lot of people always want dark kaiju story and stuff. I'm like, no, we need something that kids can like. So that the next generation falls yeah. in love like I did, you know. Um, For every GMK, you need a Godzilla's Revenge. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, you need something like that. So uh, I was I was happy to do that one too. Um, but yeah, that's that's when a bug bit me, and it's never left. And um, my family's super supportive, and I got my my two girls are hooked already, which is great. But they they love like you know the Hanna Barbera Godzilla, mm-hmm. but you know which is why I love having it because I can share that with them too and reminisce like oh I love this when I was a kid. Yeah. So uh, you I know. mean and that's the beauty of a character that's been around for so long. It's one much like any like comic character. You know, it's gone through tons of alliteration so there's a little sampling of, of something for everybody yeah yeah. yeah. there's Batman yeah. stories you can introduce children exactly. to and then there are ones yes. like killing joke yeah. right. or you were like yeah. you don't read then, that so until you yeah, you don't read that until yeah. you're older no it's a little more advanced level it's like yeah you start off with maybe like a nice like there's like dark yeah there's like you start with like a 62 where Batman and Superman are fighting you know uh, Hitler like as he's <laughs> yeah. 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 trying to take over Viking times with the like, more obscure stuff or is it uh, I, my kids all the time they love the 66 Batman series mm-hmm. so it's you know I a lot of people hate it but I think it's funny so like I'm okay I can I can enjoy this different interpretation of Batman and it's a good way to introduce my kids to it I can't exactly put in uh, I think one night I was watching Dark Knight Rises and, and yeah. my youngest kid was like oh, Batman just got snapped in half my god like, oh, no it's okay honey it's okay you know yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah you were going to see Bane snap Adam West in half it was yeah. more like yeah let's do the bath you see and everybody has a dance number at the end exactly and that I, I, and that's the thing like a lot of people like did especially come in late or come into the fandom later like they're like ah like especially a lot of it's like on your where, where you're coming in like for me like yeah this yeah you know, I'm I'm only 32 but the 66 Batman was my first introduction yeah well before even the cartoon like right. I, I as a kid I loved it my dad's like yeah it's cool like what else show you Batman and then uh, then because mostly because it was the Burton film coming out so we okay right right, so, right yeah so we went and watched Burton film like well, where's Robin where's you know right like why where's Eggman and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's not really the thing. So when the cartoon came on, that's when you said, I was like, okay, this is the Batman yes. I always wanted to show you. The and animated series. Yeah, that's yes. what was, that, was, that was the perfect door because, you know, when I was growing up, my dad was like, ah, you watch all this dumb stuff. It's like, ah, I got to show you. Like, he forever tried to get me into comic books. Like, if I, it wasn't until, like, I was, like, six or seven that I finally, like, bit down on it. It's like, find me something. Like, because for me, from as a kid, it was Voltron, and it was Godzilla. And he yes. was like... I know Godzilla. I can't relate to this stuff. Like I'm like uh, for a while, I was just like I, I don't know what to do with this kid. So and then it came around. I was like, oh, oh, you like Batman? Uh, this is Batman we can watch together. Yes. So he's like, oh, they're doing Man Bat. I'm like, who's Man Bat? He's like, who's Man Bat? I'll say, he's got all his Neil yeah. Adam books. Like this is Man Bat right here. Like that's what it is. Like who's Rachel Ghoul? Who's Rachel Ghoul? Oh, yeah. Man, man. <laughs> Because he was, yeah, Neil Adams was, was gospel in my house growing up. Neil just, Adams, he's the, the best run man, Neil Adams. Yeah. yeah. And he, like, he was always like, yeah, Neil Adams always drew the best man, like, the long ears and stuff yeah. like that. So, like, okay, cool. Like, what, do you have anything he did so I can see what he did? It's like, yeah, but I'm not going to let you read my books. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can 
go find your own. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, but it's it, but it shows like I wouldn't have any interest in that unless you know the '66 family right. out of there, right? So it's the same thing with you know with especially Godzilla. Like a lot of people yes. are like, you know, some people like their Godzilla. They like their show of Godzilla. Some people like their uh, their Godzilla Heisei. Some people like now they're like, look, like we need it as straightforward as possible. And I want as much awesome as you can pump in there. It's like, well, okay, but again, it's all based on your taste and your variation yes. of it. So, like as I said, let me reiterate. Only the GMK, got yeah. his revenge. I'm, I'm in for they, all of it, just... and they both they both have they both have their their ups and downs for it. So it's good times. Yes. Sorry, my little little soliloquy. That was a good one. Yeah. I thought, right? <laughs> so, uh, anything? Are you playing anything outside the the kaiju like crypto genre right now? Like you, now now that now that like you've it seems like you steamrolled into something that you kind of weren't expecting. But now that the opportunity's there, are you, like, looking to expand out and, like, doing other things? No? Yes. Is there anything, yeah, from the future that we should look forward to? Yes. Um, um, the kaiju stuff's going to keep going. In fact, uh, the Atomic Rex, uh, with, with the movie on the table, uh, they wanted a sequel, so it's going to be Atomic Rex versus Polar Yeti. Um, nice. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, so Sam and I, yeah, well, you know, they're doing that Kong Godzilla movie, so we could... Cashier variation, yeah. Um, and I, there's a rampage movie coming out soon. There is a rampage movie. I was was talking to um, a couple other authors, and um, he said, Oh, we're never need to see the Godzilla versus Wolfman, and it's and it's full that we watched last night. And I said, Well, you know what? Don't be surprised if we get a a, a nod to that in the rampage movie because you've got a giant Godzilla type monster and a giant werewolf and a giant gorilla, giant gorilla, and you get the rock thrown in the mix too. So, what else could you ask for? Um, so that's uh, that's all coming to and looking forward to that. Um, but I also, like I said before, I do still work for Black Coat Press doing like public domain characters. And right. um, one of the things I had done a long time ago was a um, fan fiction that I called Lineage. And it basically I took um, how in the real world uh, Zoro and the Shadow were big influences on the creation of Batman mm-hmm. and did a story with Raj Al Ghul mm-hmm. uh, kind of taking on Zoro and the Shadow up to Batman over over time. Shocked, shocked. DC never bothered to do anything like that, too. I know, shocked. right? I don't. I don't see why they didn't. It, it yeah. seemed like a cool concept, and we got like a lot of positive feedback on like you know fan fiction websites. Mm-hmm. So I, um, Black Coat Press has a lot of uh, similar characters. Uh, Black Coat they do like some mainly public domain, but they have acquired the rights to a lot of um, French pulp characters. Apparently there's a very rich French... Like Blueberry and stuff like yes, that? Yes, and I mispronounced like that. I think it's the Nyctalope. It's, it's a very much yeah. a precursor to Batman. And um, I had talked to uh, the editor out there. I said, hey, I did this story. What do you think? They've got like a few different immortal characters there. Um, if we were to do one over... Um, time with some of the black coat characters and some public domain characters so um he's like yeah i love it let's do that it just takes a ton of research because um i did the writer's panel yesterday and one thing i pointed out to people like why well, i like doing fan fictions and it's unless we're sure about doing original stuff and I, I, i've come to realize that fan fictions are fun especially when you're starting out because you're comfortable with the characters but then you're also beholden to all of their backstories that you have to keep in place. Because you can't deviate from what the character mm-hmm. is. Whereas an original one, it's not just do this because yeah, you're you're, like you're cutting the whole cloth. At that yeah. Point. So, um, but in this case, um, I've done a few, and I've always been a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. Yes. Uh, thank yes, you. I am also a Sherlockian. <laughs> uh, so, um, oh, real quick, I did a story for G Fan. They might have it here. And um, it was uh, Sherlock Holmes and my take on Sherlock Holmes and a giant rat of Sumatra. And the premise was that um, Sherlock's brother Mycroft 
has this secret base in Sumatra, and one of the things he has there is um, the Invisible Man from H.G. Wells. Mm -hmm. And the giant rat in this instance comes from uh, Latitude Zero. Oh, okay. We were able to do that one because it was like, well, we'll just call it a giant rat and be a little vague about, you know, it came from like, I think we called it the Island of Blood instead of Blood Island or something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, oh, Kim will do anything about that. A rat's pretty generic. Um, but it ended I up. I like that you managed to work Holmes, the Invisible Man, and Giant Rats into a story. Yeah, and it came out really good because, um,. It, like the rats a threat, but then the, the I love Claude Rains' Invisible Man movie. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of like pulling the strings behind the curtain, but it was really neat to play with. Um, he's invisible, but because Holmes is such a great observationist and deductionist, that he can kind of tell where the Invisible Man is, even if like mm-hmm. the Invisible Man doesn't really by based on you know what's going on in the surrounding. And uh, we got to take it back to there, uh, to the um, island from Latitude Zero, and introduce some of the other monsters because they're all still pretty generic. Like yeah. we utilized, um, we called it like a manticore instead yeah. of uh, the winged lion, instead yeah. of I right. forget the name of the character in, in the movie. And we got like the man bat type characters mm-hmm. that they had, and just called them like bat people. Bat people, stuff like so, that. Yeah. And that was really fun. Uh, but anyway, so the the story I'm doing for Black Coat, and this might be a little bit. Is going to start off with um, like the Count of Monte Cristo, a great mm-hmm. novel, by the way. Um, transition into Sherlock Holmes, and we're thinking we might tie. Um, one thing I did with the lineage story was introduce that uh, a new age Zorro is sort of like a like a fan, like a Lee Fox phantom type character yeah. mm-hmm. that that is uh, generational. Um, but I tried to set up with. Um, Batman and, and that character sort of like a Daredevil Punisher dynamic mm-hmm. um, where like you know the, the one character is much more darker and violent and the, the Zora was like a killer and Batman's not so we thought a neat way to do that might be if we had Holmes addressing um, his part of the case as like a hero and then I said what if we use the Phantom of the Opera as an anti-hero mm-hmm. in this instance um, because I always felt like the Phantom of the Opera is not really like that true type of monster he's like that classic universal monster where he's a tragic he's a tragic, tragic figure yeah. yeah so um he's a Guillermo del Toro kind of monster yes, yes. I'm a huge fan of the opera I love the person. especially the original Lon Chaney one right I and mean, still mm-hmm. think one of the yeah. coolest scenes in movie history is the mask coming off right and you see like him with that piano wire nose up so um we're gonna do that and then incorporate the the Nick DeLove character um it was actually a very interesting character in that uh, it's another case of the real world imposing itself on fiction mm-hmm. in that he was um, a pulp hero not unlike a, um, a Doc Savage or even more so like a Captain America for France in the early 1930s. Um, unfortunately, what happened to France in the 1930s is in the real world, the Nazis took them over. Yeah. And the Nick Delope was an, is a high published demand and the Nazis said, you're going to make this guy a Nazi. Yeah. And go forward. So unfortunately, the, the character was had to succumb to the writers. To you're going to get shot, or you're going to make this guy a Nazi. So yeah, the character propaganda. Yes, into a propaganda machine. So uh, we've kind of played around with that some about why the character, in, in the terms of his story, would become a Nazi. Well, there there is like something. There is something really like interesting there. Like someone's forced to go against. Like his original principles. By yes. Him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a kid when I when I spoke to the publisher in um, in France, Jean Marc Lossifer. Uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, but he's he's worked over in the U.S. a lot and done things like Ducktales and a lot of other cool stuff. Um, but he said, you know, imagine if, if somebody was holding a, a gun to like you know Jack Kirby's head and saying mm-hmm. Captain America, and they did it now, which is dumb, but it's going to be a Nazi yeah. in the 1940s. And it's like 
he might not want to do that, but he doesn't want to get yeah, and if you don't, the next guy's just going to do it anyway. Exactly. So it's yeah. not like, you know, you can take a stand on principle. Um, but I'm working on that, that novel as well. It's just taking a lot of time to do all the, all the background research on the characters and make sure that I, I stay true to them. Um, the Holmes I feel pretty good with, and he's a little flexible. Like, the... Um, sort of, do you like um, I love Benedict Cumberbatch's Holmes right yes uh, it's a great interpretation of the Holmes yes, yes of so. Sherlock Holmes and they hinted at a third brother yes yeah yes so well we'll see this new season we will see I just reasoned it it might be the last season unfortunately I was like ugh but well, I, I mean it's because both of them became like giant stars yeah I was just like yeah, it's kind of hard doing a show that's literally like three movies late. Yeah, yeah. I do know that they've spoken, I know that Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch have spoken in the past that, you know, an actor's, um, I would say fame, mm -hmm. goes up and down, very few, keep mm -hmm. on going up, and they were saying like, they're definitely open and will be pushing to playing the, this char their characters indefinitely forever. Which I think is great because in case anything happened in their career, this is still a stable paycheck. Oh yeah, and also the fact is the characters did age yes. in the books as yeah. well. Yes, and we know that Sherlock becomes a beekeeper yes. as he gets older. So you know, and we saw we saw Sir Ian McKellen recently in his version of Sherlock Holmes, and I'm like, yes. you can see a little old Martin Freeman yes. and Benedict Cumberbatch like still being friends, yes. still acting together, but um, you know, just kind of like how. JC announces retirement mm -hmm. several times. Right. It they said that, that they later. said that this season, you know, maybe it's end, but I think it'll come back. Well, that's the thing. You, you like, can't do Doctor Strange forever. No. Yeah. Yeah, or other films. I mean, that's the thing too, because they, there's no, they're not be held to any like seasonal things like that. Yes, yes. It is. The point yes. when they were like, what it was like two, three years between seasons. Yes. Yeah, like like a year or two between. Yeah, seasons. I'm pretty sure like because what Moffat's gone from who now, right? Um. He's leaving. Uh, they though, haven't. Right? They're leaving, but they haven't announced. Yeah. yeah. The new show. So right I'm there. pretty sure there'll be something like he's like, or BBC will like here. Is it don't drink of money? We've, we've hit don't a little low. Money, yes. a little low rating. So, like, just find like here's eight weeks carve out some episodes. Like even to do like a, a holiday special or something. like that. Yeah, I could definitely see him doing that. Like to do for Doctor Who on the. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I was gonna say mm -hmm. yes. So. It, 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 it was, we discussed the inner workings of BBC here. So <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm sorry. I was no, 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 it's okay. We got, realized, we got into it. I just realized it. the side tangent we went off on. It's like, so yeah. It's all connected. What, back to your novel. It's still up to like somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's it, like, hey, did you hear this like oddball podcast? They're talking about you. It's like, what? Well, to, <laughs> to, to bring it back, I'm also um, trying to publish my own anthology with, with other people's work, which I announced at Chief yesterday to try to get... How I got my start from Jeremy Robinson and others to give other aspiring writers their their start and uh, to full circle it, one of the short stories I'll be doing for it involves Sherlock Holmes and Professor Challenger, mm -hmm. um, and the the premise of the story is going to be um, uh, there's these strange murders taking place on top of buildings. They can't figure out how it's occurring. Um, so it's going to tie back to a kaiju. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Challenger will be figured in from his role in The Lost World. Of, yeah. Which love the book and love especially the 25 film. Mm -hmm. So um, that'll, that'll tie in too. But I thought, well, that'll be neat to put Sherlock Holmes again into a kaiju setting um, and, and see how it works out. Because, you know, I feel like there's two things you wouldn't necessarily feel go together, but at some point somebody put chocolate and peanut butter together, right? And it worked yeah. out. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, um, let's just also, keep doing I, that. Also, I do miss the days of how Simpsons put it, uh, when they did the, um, 
they did a Halloween special with Professor Frank when he introduced his father. He's like, like, oh, is he like you? He's like, no, no, my father's one of those He-Man scientists. Where we're going out <laughs> yes. and like, he's uh, he's doing all like the, the the killing and the swinging and all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I miss those days. Like those, we don't get that anymore. Right. So it. it you know, bringing like Challenger back and stuff like that. That sounds that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, you, know, you kind of you're keeping it alive. Like one day, some some dude is gonna be like, "Rumsey's like, I need to do a book report." It's like, "Oh, hey, this might be interesting to do." Hopefully, yeah. I didn't, I did I did that in high school because I was like reading like a madman. So like my senior project, like, pick a book, do a report. I'm like, uh, "Can I do this?" So, like, sure. It was it was um, I am Legend. I picked that. Oh, legend. great book. Yeah, I'm, like I've already read it like three times. So they're like. Here's six weeks so you could read the book and get it done. I turned in mine in like a week and a half. So I was like, you're all like, you got everything. I'm like, yeah, I read it like nine times. It's like, you didn't say I had to read it at the end of this point. true. So, like, some dude was like, wait, you're all done, dude? I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, can you help me with mine? I'm like, here, read I Am Legend. I was like, it's just long enough you'll get into it. And he's like, oh, I don't know, dude. And so he comes back to me like a week later. He's like, this is like a really good book, man. I'm like, yeah, you'd be surprised. Yeah, if you just open. Yeah, if you just give things a chance, you know. And so he ended up doing like the my 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 teacher came was like, "Did you do this work for him?" I'm like, no, but I gave him the book. He's like, "Okay, so I guess you kind of worked up to what we we're aiming for." But like, <laughs> but when you actually, it's like, it's kind of hoping he would go read something else. Like, did he read it or not? He's like. I guess. Are you sure you didn't write? I'm like, does my writing look like his? Does my writing look like exactly? Yep. So someone read something they weren't necessarily going to read, which is the whole point of the project. Exactly. So like, you forced me to read Martian Chronicles, like, and I ended up loving it. Like, yeah. The first like three chapters, like, what is this? And then when you get to Usher two, and it's like, oh, okay, this is awesome. Yes. yes. And so then you move on from there. Again, side tangent. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so where are we at right now? We are okay. So. uh... Uh, the mind fart. Sorry. So you got Atomic Rex. You're gonna do Atomic Rex uh, versus Polar Yeti. Yes. Right. Uh, what else you got down the pipeline, real quick? What's it? Um, that anthology I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, putting together the G Fantasy versus books to come out in September, mm-hmm. and then maybe another volume in November. Mm-hmm. Um, is this turning into something that you're pretty much making a livelihood off of now? I'm sorry. Is this is this becoming something you're making like a decent livelihood off of I make it? good money off of uh, the books but not enough to like not be a teacher anymore okay um, so it, it funds trips like this I'm taking my family to Disney World and you know stuff like that and mm-hmm. we've been able to uh, enjoy some perks do, do some perks yeah, yeah that, that'd be a good way to go um, when the movie comes out we'll see if that is not a game changer uh, yeah. hopefully um, but uh, you know we'll see so that's where it's going. But Who knows? Maybe one day you'll be Patterson, Pat, like Patterson, and be like, we're going to funnel this up. Like, I got a great idea. Like, let's <laughs> Atomic Rex. Go to work for me. Hopefully. Yeah. So. It's like, I'm going to go live on my yacht and count my money. Do you have more <laughs> yeah. children's books than mine? Yes, we do. The, the Frankenstein Goes to Oz book, um, we kind of wrote it as a Halloween story. Um, but it ends with him um, finding himself outside of Santa Claus's workshop. <laughs> oh so, my god, that's yes. amazing! So um, we're going to hopefully kind of connect them to different holidays. So obviously the next one will be a Christmas themed book about how Frankenstein can help out Santa oh, Claus. I can't maybe wait for Arbor Day Frankenstein. Yeah, Arbor Day, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Easter, or Happy Chinese New Year, Frankenstein. <laughs> yes, he's like twelve zodiacs. Yeah. What? What is this? What? I'm the you're the rooster? Oh, yeah. I, 
Election day will be an interesting one. I don't know what we're going to do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. St. Patty's Day. And he's just like sitting there drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting with a bunch of dudes. Oh, God, I love that. Uh, I look like, did you ever see, did you ever watch Conan O'Brien? Yes. And when they would do Frankenstein waste a minute of your time? Yes. Like, that's for some reason. <laughs> with Frankenstein, doing that kind of asinine stuff always works so well. And so I love the idea of holiday Frankenstein going yep. around. Because that that just sounds so endearing to, in yeah. many ways. And that's what we're going to do. And mm. um, in, in the book, we tried to make Frankenstein. We always did him from behind or in shadow. Because mm. um, it is a kid's book, so you don't really see yeah. like, this shown together face. But we did try to make him look like Elvis in silhouette. Um, <laughs> I like that. You know, because especially in Japan, it always seems like there's some dude in a movie that happens to look like Elvis. Mm. I feel like. so. Um, El- the Elvis fascination, you know, the king, I'm sure, mm. is, is all... It, He's widespread yes. all around the world, which so is why. It seemed like a fun thing to do it that way, too. So like, let's make him look like Elvis with like kind of the hair curl and, you know. I love that you're doing Frankenstein saves Christmas, essentially. Sorry. Have him go to Vegas. Oh, Vegas would be a cool one, yes. Oh, yeah. Plus, Vegas. it gives me an excuse to go out there for research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Frankenstein in the, in the case of New Year's in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> why so many people? So much vomit on streets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean Ace can be both 1 and 11? That makes <laughs> yeah. no sense. <laughs> oh, man. I could just go on with that all day. Oh, my God. I love that. All right. Well, um, let's wrap it up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can people find more of your work? Sir? Um, all of my books are available on Amazon, or you can visit me at uh, www. W, obviously, mm-hmm. dot Matthew Denyon, D-E-N-N-I-O-N dot com. Two N's. Uh, yes, two N's. You can also follow me on Facebook. Um, available there. Severed Press website has all of my work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so please check them out. They publish out of Tasmania. So all I know Weird. about Weird. Yeah. Wow. All I know is that their devils spin really fast. Um, <laughs> oh! <laughs> so, um... That, that, that was like curveball right It's like, yeah, we can print out Tasmania. What? Yeah, well, I realized that when, uh, even living on the East Coast, I'd get an email from them and it would come, like, the, it would be dated a day ahead of time. Yeah. Like, what, did they email me from the future? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, what is this? It's like, we're so, in a null void outside yeah. of time and space, so... So then even, even on, on the East Coast, they're like 16 hours ahead of us, yeah. um, you know, on the West Coast. They're almost like a whole freaking day ahead of you guys by yeah. the time you get over there. So, um... Uh, but, that was but anyway, Severed Press has my stuff. Uh, so um, that's where we're at, and I'll be updating my Facebook page and, and website about the movie. We have a few potential ideas for the actor and actresses uh, that we want to go after to lead in the movie, apparently. So that would be good. If good I, times, man. Good times. Yeah. So um, for for the time of rest, if I can, mm-hmm. uh, no, we haven't approached these people yet, but the uh, producer seems to like Ben McKenzie for the role from Gotham. Yes. Uh, for yeah. this million two people. And then, um, ironically, Danielle Panabaker from, yes, uh, from The Flash. Flash nice, amazing, like, nicest girl in the world. I oh, really? Yeah, okay. super sweet. So she might not know that we're going to pitch that to her yet. I don't know how that works. I but she'd be up for it. It's like, uh, hopefully. I need to parlay this Flash money into something else. So. Yeah. So, so I, I can I can go fight dinosaurs for you know there we go months. yeah so um, like probably fly out the pinewood or something like that. that'd be awesome and uh, really quick too um please check Amazon soon everybody for the G Fantasy versus Guest Monster book because all the proceeds will be going to help out people in the real world so um, none is of us is there is there a place to go for G Fans helping G Fans or is that just all like an organized thing G Fans helping G Fans I think you can access it through the G Fan website mm-hmm. uh, so you can of course just go there to make a donation and they have other 
fundraiser type activities going on. Um, this one specifically, I do know the most about. Like I said, so it'll be um, up on Amazon. I believe September fifteenth is our release date, um, and you'll get um, not only my monsters, but Jeremy Robinson's Nemesis, Tim Price's Big in Japan, Chris Martinez's Doragon, which is if you guys ever read that, is really funny, and um, a bunch of. Uh, we just got Eric S. Brown on board, who does a lot of kaiju novels. Will be part of it as well. So um, uh, please check it out. Um, you'll be finding a whole new slew of monsters you weren't aware of and helping people out at the same time. So, awesome. Yes. Good times. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast for myself. And Jessica. And Matt Denyon. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. It's Chris and... Jessica. So uh, this is a little tail end I want to put on this final episode of the year. Um, again, we might have gone on a little bit about it last on the last show, but you know, I wanted to give a proper holiday send off to all of you, and once again, say thank you all for listening. We greatly appreciate all of you who listen, all of you who you know hit us up on Facebook and Twitter, who've uh, you know approached us at uh, like G Fest and other shows. It wasn't again, if it's not for you guys, we don't do this. So. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I just want to say, hopefully, you're all having a wonderful holiday season. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, Christmas should be no more than a few days away, and that uh, you're all having the best of times. You know, whatever you guys do at this time of year. So, do stay tuned. There, we do have some stuff. We got we got some great stuff planned for 2017. Hopefully, we'll make it a bigger year. Uh, you can help with that by spreading the good word about the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. I know we're asking you to go shamelessly whore for us, but you know what? I'm All we're asking is like, hey, you like what we're doing? Share it to a friend, to a family member, to a co-worker. If you dig what we do and you know people who are in, into the same stuff we are into, yeah, maybe, you know, give a little nudge on, you know? We could always use the help. We're trying to expand into a vast empire that will crush the world with an iron fist. But, uh... Right now, we're, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're a pretty meager, uh, you know, little sailboat. We're out there charting the podcast seas uh, with, filled with giant monsters. But, uh, again, thank you all for listening. This has been a, a fantastic year. Uh, Jessica, do you have a few words? Yes, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening. I always see people kind of not I mean sometimes they tag us and then sometimes they will definitely spread the word for us and we, so we want to say thank you you guys always for every new listener it kind of slowly exponentially grows and we are extremely thankful everyone felt differently about 2016 however for the Kaiju Kingdom podcast I we were extremely grateful for all the new listeners that we have especially for the people who click like mm-hmm. on our Facebook page posts that Chris put up and also they always comment and it's always a wonderful conversation that starts going on so thank you for all the interaction and all the likes and subscribes and listening and downloads and saying hi at, saying hi to us at GFAS and at San Diego yes and uh, you know uh, just thank you to everybody who's uh, who's uh, given us a little help guys like Chris Mowry, Frank uh, of course, the official third member of our of our Motley crew, uh, Mr. Mark Jaramillo, who uh, he's got some he's got some cool stuff uh, in 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 the wings for next year that we're going to talk about uh, at a later date. Um, yes, yes, and all the wonderful guests. 
All of our wonderful if guests. If we didn't say that already. All the all the wonderful guests. Thank you so, so, so much. And we're working on more for 2017. We're hopefully going to expand that, uh, that the Friends of the Show section. Um, oh, and again, also to Kyle of, Kai, of the KaijuCast. Again, if you're not li- if you're listening to us, you're not listening to him. Why why are you doing that? He's the guy that started all this. So go send him a little love too. So um, <clears throat> thank you all again. It's been a great 2016. We had a new Godzilla movie. We got to see you know Legendary is making sure that uh, the Kaiju love is staying alive stateside. It's 2017. We got an animated movie to look forward to. We got Kong. We're gonna have uh, we got IDW still churning out books. And then uh, we got, you know, all we got news for Godzilla 2. We got news for God only knows what Toho's going to do. There's going to be a Rampage movie. There's a little movie with Anne Hathaway and a giant monster coming out next year. There's all kinds of wonderful stuff that, you know what? As we said when we first started doing this, maybe we'll have one or two things to talk about a month. We have so much to talk about, and that's why we keep doing this. So thank you all. Have a wonderful, happy, safe holiday season. Have a happy 2017. And we'll see you all again in January. So that is the Kaiju Kingdom podcast for 2016. For myself and... Jessica! Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you next year.